Unrelated. 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 not talk like that. First of all, to everybody, thanks for joining us again. This is Unrelated with Atua Sando and Chris Seacott. And uh, we got a special one for you today. I've invited my really good buddy KJ on because I guess all these discussions about race and racism and Chris and I being the, I guess, the archetypal black guy and white guy, we thought we would get, Chris went to a meeting, (laughs) he went to a white person's meeting and he heard tell about my white friend KJ and I decided to get both of you on a call and and talk race and racism and all this shit with both of you guys and unbeknownst to chris i guess they've missed each other at the meetings but um i also have I other news for a few months oh that's what it is okay so uh anyway chris, i'm introducing chris to another white person that i know because i know more than more than two white people, actually. We both thought it would be an interesting conversation, especially based on what I will say is a sort of what I'm sensing as an awakening with a lot of white people, not you know present company, perhaps excluded, uh, with the sort of reality of race and racism um, that's happening now. It seems like, it, from my perspective, from the black guy's perspective, it seems more that this, and I'm not saying this in a in an you know a biting way, but I'm saying this is more. This seems to be more about white people than it is about people of color. It's almost about white people going, "Holy shit, this is still a problem," and I think that. As two of my trusted white people, I'd like to hear sort of your perspectives on it. I think it would be a really interesting conversation, especially since KJ, as KJ has told me on a couple of occasions, has some members of his family on the other side of the fence of the realization of racism and so forth. Uh, Because you, as I understand, have family in South Africa, from South Africa. um, And I'd love to hear more about that, I guess. Uh, well, yeah, so to be perfectly clear, I am from South Africa. Yes. I was born in Johannesburg. I'm the first of my family, the first generation of my family to grow up in North America. Um, so I come from a long line of racial horror. <laughs> uh, and, you know, my it pains me to say it, but, you know, the, the first year of my life, I was raised not only by my parents, but by, you know, servants mm. in the household. Oh, Jesus. You know, I, I, I haven't been back in a very long time, but I, I have this um, undying memory of going back when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old and uh, my grandmother taking me downtown to run some errands and the bus pulls up and I put my foot on the first step and she grabbed my shoulder and yanked me back and said, no, not that one. That one's for them. Wow. We get Jesus. a different bus. Wow. And I... Uh, I, uh, I I didn't I had no idea what that was at the time, but you know, being ever so, I hope slightly more enlightened um, today than I was then. I understand that I didn't just witness apartheid firsthand, but I was part of it. Wow! And um, so I've always sort of carried that um, carried that around with me. It feels it feels like a bit of a burden, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. <laughs> it's disheartening though to think that we really haven't come very far right uh, from 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 that kind of mentality i mean wherever south africa was at the time um i always thought that the states should be 
further along mm-hmm. um, than that, and lately it just doesn't feel like it. You know, having having seen what I saw, and um, and you know, watching South Africa come out uh, from behind the the veil of apartheid, I I guess I, I always thought that the states. Uh, would be further along, should be further along. You know, I always thought, well, those. Sometimes it feels like we're, like we've we've gained no ground at all. Right. Well, that's. I mean, that's kind of the illusion that we like to keep up, and we have for a long time until this veil kind of got stripped away over the last month or two. Yeah. And to the world, I mean. And I, well, I'm I'm fascinated by this because you know knowing you this much and I, I think that in our relationship we've talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, KJ is an incredible um, musician and bassist, and uh, he's my sort of uh, music muse and music bro that we play music and do a whole bunch of stuff together. And I've known him for a long time, um, and we've had a lot of conversations about these things. I mean, not just about race, but I mean we've had a few conversations about race, but also conversations about relationships. And he's one of my favorite people in the world. And um, I thought it would be great to bring him on also because what you just said fascinated me because you come from, you know, or you've had experience in apartheid Africa, apartheid South Africa, right? So do you remember what it was like when you came to America, which is a little, you came to America, not in America's apartheid. So you saw sort of white, black people walking around Mm -hmm. relatively free compared to what you saw. I mean, we didn't have separate buses when you came over to to America. So what was that like for you? Or when you came over well, to North America? Yeah, people, people in color, um, people of color in South Africa. When I, when I was a kid, I didn't really understand what was going on. I mean, mm. we left there. We immigrated to uh, to Canada when I That's was a baby. Right. So, mm. so I, you know, the experiences I had were few and far between. After that, we would go back once every year or two for you know a month here, a month there to you know to visit family. It's an expensive and arduous uh, mm. travel. Yeah, so, I can imagine. Uh, yeah, it was especially. In those days, the plane couldn't make it all the way. We had to land in the middle of the ocean and refuel Jesus. on a little island called Ilha de Sol. Oh, right. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, um, you know, my experiences there, the I didn't understand how black people were subjugated. They just seemed to be employees of my family. Uh-huh. And even when I visited the shacks out back of these, you know, my grandparents would have a, a beautiful home, you know, and then out back would be these shacks with no running water. And right. that's where the servants lived. And, wow. and uh, I would, you know, just I would go. I didn't know any better. I would go hang out, yeah. you know, with these, you know, with these people. And how'd and, your family uh, react to that? Um, nobody really said anything. I, you okay. know, I don't know. It's it's entirely possible that there was some subtext going on. I went out back, and you know, somebody said, "Why is your kid out there again?" Instead of uh, in here, okay. where the okay. white people are supposed to be. But right. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, but I didn't, I guess I didn't realize what was going on until many years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then apartheid was over the, really the whole continent. No, I shouldn't say that. South Africa has been in turmoil ever since it was yeah. in turmoil before that. And it was in turmoil <clears throat> after it's just a different kind of turmoil. But when I got here, I would, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't think anything of seeing people of color walking around mm-hmm. and it didn't seem that there was a different level of freedom but when I proudly announced to everybody that I was from South Africa <laughs> um, everybody's first question was why aren't you black uh, that was every every kid every yeah. every 
everybody in school wanted to know. I can only imagine being on the receiving end of that everywhere you walked and people asking you about it. Yeah, and I have to say that it's it's even for me knowing South Africa, knowing the whole thing and and knowing that KJ is African, like it it doesn't connect with me either. Do you know what I mean? It like or wait wait when I see Charlize Theron say it, right? I'm like, "No, you're not. You're not." And I, and I don't mean that she is. That's where she grew up. It's definitely a thing. Even somebody who's, I guess the word would be cosmopolitan like me, I know that there are other people than black people in Africa. It's like, mm, what, really? You're African? That yeah. makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a surreal it's, thought it's a- for sure. It is. And it's it's something I, you know, I used to I used to be very proud about it. I, you know, it was a, for me, it was a differentiator and it was a point of interest and, and a point of conversation. And now now I wonder if I if it would be better off if I didn't say where I'm from. Well, what, what considered that? What was it like when you came here? And obviously, I mean, there was a point where you you must have been aware that things were weird back home. Like, you know, as a kid, you don't know, but you come here and then especially in the 90s, everything or the late 80s and the 90s, you start to hear about Nelson Mandela and everything falls apart for South Africa, at least for the white power of South Africa. How did that make you feel or what did, did that change your perspective on things or open your eyes to things? Um, you know, I'm sorry to say that I was an unenlightened child mm. and I, I really I didn't think um, I didn't think enough about it. I didn't mm. understand it. You know, I, I think I, I came I, it, it wasn't it wasn't until much later um, that I realized the implications of my history mm. and, um, you know, my the uh, you know, what, what, what the, the what exactly it is that I'm attached to mm-hmm. um, by and and you know just to be clear i grew up here you know yeah. I, I had a i had a fairly I, you know I, I i was a white american well white canadian and then american north american male for mm-hmm. m- almost my entire life right. so you know i'm i'm I've lived lived a pr- pretty privileged existence mm-hmm. and i say that to illustrate the fact that i didn't really think about it all mm-hmm. that much if there was one effect i think that it was I never thought about what color my friends were when I was growing up. It was just whoever I enjoyed being around. Mm-hmm. Sure. And as I think back, I suppose I didn't have a lot of friends. I was just that kind of kid, but they were to a certain degree varied, right. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later in life, by the time I started to become cognizant about race relations in any meaningful way, I was deep, deep into the music business. Mm-hmm. And you just play with with people who are good. Right. You know, it doesn't matter what they look like or their right, backgrounds. It's just the skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just, if you want to make beautiful music, you you do it with whoever can help you do that. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about music and why it's a crime that, you know, that music and the arts isn't more of a, a steadfast part of our education. So I think not to get off on a ramp, but I think if there was more of that, there might be less of a, there might be less white supremacists around. <laughs> right, right. You By know, the way, don't apologize on going off on rants or tangents because that's what we call unrelated in the first place is that, <laughs> you know, like before you even came on, I was debating whether I should just say, what are your feelings on Ed Harris? <laughs> right yeah. By the way, what are your feelings on Ed Harris? You're my friend of 20 some odd years. So I want to make sure I know what those are. Ed Harris. The actor. Is there, some, is there something that happened? No, 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 no. Just, just how do you feel? Yeah. Oh, I'm, um, 
Well, God. Now I'm nervous to say the wrong thing. <laughs> I, I think um, I'm a fan of Westworld. And, okay. And um, I think he's... Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I've, I've actually, uh, I'll just, I'll just say that I've always wanted to watch him. Okay, good, you know? perfect. Okay, you, you can continue. To yes. Oh God, thank God. <laughs> We're like the 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 co-presidents of the Ed Harris fan club. Yeah. Oh well, we created, I we created it ourselves, but. Um, the Rock. Uh, with Nicolas Cage. Oh, right. He was in that yeah. too. Yeah. He was the bad guy, right? He was yeah. the guy who took over um, the, the prison. Mm-hmm. And I think that was when I I got into him. Okay. And then after that, I watched him in everything. Okay. Perfect. We can we can continue, continue to be friends. Okay. okay. Great. <laughs> uh, to get serious again, not that Ed Harris isn't dead fucking serious, but Otto was asking you about, like, how did you register all of this when this cultural change when you came over what sort of reaction were you getting from your parents like did you notice things about the adults in your life and how they were acting to this new world jesus everything just get shot yeah i think it's more uh fireworks Fireworks. yeah Yeah. jesus oh jesus yeah epidemic this year it's crazy uh yeah there's something else we can talk about yeah um, so to answer your question, Chris, I, um, I, my parents kept me fairly insulated from it. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that my, neither of my parents agreed with apartheid, with, with, with race relations in general where they grew up, um, nor did they agree with compulsory army service, which is where I was headed if we had stayed there. Is that part of the um, reason they left South Africa? Yeah, as it was explained to me. Yeah. Okay. Um, and also, you know, as I understand it, and from my limited experiences, the you know, and Otto alluded to this previously, the the, my, the certain members of my family who are still in South Africa um, were, were not good people. Mm-hmm. Um, are not good people. We're not good people, and I think it was important to uh, to get away from their influence. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to be honest yeah. with you, I absolutely shudder to think what I would be like today mm-hmm. if we had stayed there. Um, I, I can't express the appreciation enough, my appreciation to my parents for allowing me to grow up in North America. Um, and not in Johannesburg, where, as I said, I would have been in the army and I would have gone to a white school um, and I would have had only white friends and I would have dressed in a uniform and I would have done the things that little white boys did. It would have, I, I don't know, I, I seriously doubt I would have had any creative space in my brain to find my instrument and my voice. Yeah, right. I think what's interesting about that is it um, it kind of dovetails a little bit into the conversations we're starting to have about, or we've been having about, let's say, the Confederacy and so forth, where, mm. you know, there is, you know, people, I was listening to this one interview on NPR or whatever, you know, because I'm a liberal uh, libtard. Um, and <laughs> what was... Combo. Yes. I totally got a pinky combo. Pinky com, commie. Yes, yes, that's what I am. <laughs> and what I always find, and somebody put this into a perspective that I've always appreciated because, you know, white supremacy, which you mentioned before, it covers everything, right? It's not like white people are the only ones who sort of suffer from white supremacy. It's like it infects everybody and it infects our language. Like even for us people of color, we speak 
often in terms of from the reference point of the white standard with without even thinking about it, because that's just like it's been boiled into all of us. Right. And it was a guy who had gone a black man who had gone down into the South to talk to people who still supported the Confederacy and who were doing like all those uh, the, the reenactments. And I think one guy was Jefferson Davis's like great, great nephew or something like that, but he wasn't totally down with the whole Confederacy. But every time they would say, well, Jesus, I think there's, uh, wow. I think somebody's firing ordinance or something. But anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> there's, 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 speaking of the army, but anyway, let me get, it's, been, it's been a fucking month. It's, so it's crazy around here. Uh, anyway, to, to get to the point, often when they were asked about, well, what about the Confederacy's connection to slavery and the fact that the, the Confederacy came about because they essentially wanted to keep slaves and they would always say, you know, you've got to look at the perspective of the time back then, right? That slavery was accepted by the time back then. That's how it was back then. Um, we can't blame them for their for their thoughts and their feelings. And one of the guys was like, well, what about the black people there? Like, were the black people cool with slavery back then? Right. And the thing, the, the, the reason I'm saying this is because, right, we never think about it from the other perspective of the people who are suffering or the white people who back then also did not also were abolitionists also did not believe in slavery right and so i look at your parents and i say that's incredible they they grew up i'm assuming they were born and raised there right and for raised, yeah. yeah for so for some reason they had the presence of mind to leave and know that this what they were grow what they were born into is wrong enough to take their children away from that and so i always wonder what is the difference like how come some people get it like you know slavery's always been bad like no matter how far you go back in time, it's always been bad. And I'm sure there's going to be somebody, you know, a hundred years into the future who says, well, you have to understand apartheid, you know, back then, back in the, you know, the 1900s on the planet Earth, they didn't have anything, you know, they didn't, they didn't know any better. It's like, no, there's a ton of people who knew better. It's just that the people in power didn't or, or sort of exploited that. So I just, not that you have to speak for your parents, but what do you think it was about your parents? parents that were different than the rest of the people around them. And then I think that would have maybe filtered down to you where perhaps you would have been cut off from your ability to be an artist. But I think maybe your parents wouldn't have let you turn into the shitty South African white guy that you could have turned into, perhaps. Well, maybe, maybe I, you know, I would like to think that they would have been able to control that. But I think that there's a lot of um, a lot of proof these days that your peer group um, mm. has ends up having more effect on you right. um, than your than your parents. It, it sort of depends at what point in the development cycle you catch a child mm -hmm. in, or, yeah. in order to determine the influence. But I'm picturing myself. You know, remember in those days, I, not only would I only have been at school with white people, but I would only have been at school with white boys mm. because they segregated the sexes too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'd have been standing there in my, you know, you know, dark gray or navy blue or sort of Republican looking uniform right. in in a, you know, in the play yard with a bunch of privileged white South African boys mm -hmm. 
what would the effect have been? What 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 right. must those kids have said about their black servant? Mm-hmm. What how must they have cackled and laughed because one of them was reprimanded by the matriarch of the of the house? I I shudder to think, you know, what that kind of influence would have made me. But to answer your question, I think that my mother was the primary factor in us leaving. Mm-hmm. And I can say from from the historical data that I've gotten from my family that she, like me, was always the black sheep of her family. Mm-hmm. And she had a need to, to not be part of the status quo. Mm-hmm. I don't think she had an easy time growing up there. I don't think she had an easy time with her family. And I think that, you know, and I know her sister, you know, is the is the polar opposite of her in every way. My aunt and, you know, who stayed there and mm-hmm. stayed with my grandmother, you know, who I think was, you know, this sort of arch white South African, right. you know, racist. And, you know, they, they each went in, in their own direction. My, my aunt stayed and became what my grandmother was. Mm-hmm. And my mother came here and took her very young family, this was in their mid-twenties, and um, produced, you know, what I am today, which is a fiercely independent black sheep of my family. And Thank God. And forgive my ignorance, but does being white South African make you Afrikaans, or is that like a, like, what does that mean? You know, to be honest, I don't know the exact definition. I know mm. that both my parents were required to learn Afrikaans, mm. the language. Okay. And I think that um, a so-called Afrikaner is a, a different type of white person. If I, I don't want to speak out of school here because sure. I'm honestly not sure. I, w- I guess I was under the impression that they were closer to the Dutch yeah. heritage. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the impression I had, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and my family came from England and, well, yeah, from uh, from Western and Eastern Europe, Lithuania and England. Okay. So, yeah, and I actually just was thinking that Afrikaans was just the, a language that the white people there spoke. I didn't realize even that it was a specific social group, if if you will, um, well, until a little impression. while ago. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could be wrong, but I, I think I, that's my impression. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you still speak with your any of your family members there? Do you have any contact with them? No, um, okay. no. I I only speak with family members who have left there. My um, my uncle on my father's side, my father and he still you know still have some you know contact. But the only people I don't I I've never had a great I put put a great deal of stock in in family as it is, especially extended family. So I I must say I don't really reach out to people gotcha. all that much, and they don't seem to reach out to me. Um, so it's fine. But I don't speak to anybody. I I, I actively avoid. Um, especially the people from my mother's side. Right. Completely understandable, yeah. 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 Um, you, you meet Chris Seacott. <laughs> yeah. We actually, usually the beginning of every episode, I regale people with uh, a racist story from my family. So, um, Do tell. <laughs> oh, you want one? Okay. Sure. Hit me. We can okay. Um, <laughs> he made theme music for it, just so we all know. Racist family. See, I, I wish I had racist members of my family. Oh, wonderful! Um, 
so when I was in high school, there was this whole like artsy, craftsy thing going on here at one point where suburban women were making these, they're like wooden cutouts of, you know, like apples or do you know what I'm talking about? Like apples. It's kind of like that whole live, laugh, love thing that that goes on now. But they were much simpler. It was like a cutout of an apple or it was a cutout of like a barn. It was a cutout of like old timey milk bottle. And then you would paint them and then hang them up like in your bathroom or your kitchen or put them on the the, the ledge to display them. And me being the artistic person in the family, I was the one that made, you know, they'd get the apple thing and I'd paint it, whatever. Right. Well, one day I come home and they, my, Jesus Christ, my mom and my grandmother and my aunt had gone out and they bought some that were already done mm-hmm. and they hung them up in the bathroom and just you're sitting down so just buckle the fuck in mm-hmm. <laughs> um the whole guest bathroom was now i can't even it was pickaninnies chicken wow. and watermelon jesus christ oh my god <laughs> not even remotely I can remember distinctly there was this one it was a um it was a towel rack so it was like a functional racist piece of garbage right <laughs> yeah and I remember one of my black friends coming by and this was shortly after it happened so I had just kind of it was like I can't fucking believe this I was mm. in my head like no this I cannot do this mm. what are you talking about why did you do this and my friend came by and he went into the bathroom and he came out and he just looked shell-shocked and he right. was like do you need to tell me anything? Sure. And I was, I had no, I had no explanation. Yeah. There was n- absolutely nothing I could say. It's disgusting. I remember giving my mom shit about it and saying, you got to get rid of this. This is so offensive. And what was her she response? She did, mm-hmm. but not before telling me that she, that my um, Sports Illustrated swimsuit calendar was offensive to her. And right. I had to take that down if she was going to take down the pick minis. And did she know, did she have an idea why it was offensive? Did she, did she understand? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Just the fact that it was just such, it wasn't even like she went out and bought something and, you know, like put it up and not realized. I mean, Mm -hmm. she decorated the entire fucking bathroom. Yeah. I mean, she put these things. We're talking like there were like 10, 15 different pieces around the bathroom of these like just black faces with the red lips and the big white eyes and just, you know, the the head cloths and stuff. It it, it was, she had to know. Right. What what year was that, Chris? Um, (laughs) I believe it was about 1990. 2013. I'm just kidding. Well, I haven't been back in a while, so maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But no, this was the this was like the early 90s. Yeah. So. Here's the thing about that, uh, you know, and uh, I was alluding to the disappointment before. I had a feeling if you go to certain parts of this country, you may actually find a bathroom that looks like that mm-hmm. still in the yeah. year 2020. I'm sure you would. This, this, and, by the way, was upstate New York. So this, yeah. is, <laughs> I didn't grow up where I was born. Uh, yeah, someplace. Well, I'm, I feel less likely to see it in Buffalo, but I feel like somebody, and you know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but let's just go with Kentucky. Yeah, because I'm currently pissed off at them. Sure, why not? Um, you know, <laughs> I can I can picture somebody in 2020 you know, decorating uh, like that and thinking it's, you know, it's completely okay. Well, yeah, yeah. let's segue from that into something that just happened. I'm sorry, Otto, you wanted to jump in there. No, no, I I guess I I find, I I asked sort of 
if she understood or she knew, because I, I find, you know, with this, like I alluded to the sort of the awakening of a lot of white people or like re- realization, I don't know what other way to put it, where... Um, again, I was listening to another sort of interview about this with um, some African-American scholars. And there's a lot of things that I think growing up as a black person, you don't realize until you have conversations like this with white people where it's like, you know, I think that white people don't ever have never had experience, have never talked about racism. Like they've never done it. Where as yeah, black kids like at the time, sure. Yeah. And and black families, it's almost like parental malfeasance not to like sit your kids down at an early age and start explaining to them racial dynamics. So it's not like I'm trying to let your mom off the hook, but it's almost like and, and I'm not even trying to insult her in any way, but it's almost like she might just be ignorant, completely ignorant in the way that she has no knowledge of what her actions are. Right. Like she you know, you tell that story of when I met you the first time, you know, we, we, KJ, um, Chris and I met when we were like five. I grew up in Schenectady as well. And Chris is always sort of shyly telling this story about when his younger brother, who was probably when we were like six or seven, he was probably four. Like a little yeah, toddler. A little bit older than that, but not by much. Yeah. Right. Little toddler. Like we're in Lily White, Schenectady. I'm one of the only like black families in the whole place. And his little brother sees me and pats me on the head. Right. And I'm like, he's he, never seen. He's never seen a he's never seen a black guy up close. Right. So, and to me, I get that. Right. Like, I'm like, yeah, he's a kid. It's not like he's a 40 year old doing that. Right. So it's a child doing that. I even remember it. And I feel like, you know, it's interesting. I heard another statistic that is really fascinating where to growing up in, let's say, America. Right. It's it's extremely hard to find success on any level in America, I've heard or like this. This is what I'm about to share. If you don't as a person of color, you don't know any white people, like you don't have any sort of significant relationships with some white people like you everywhere you go, you have to deal with white people. But on the other side, you can be a white person and go through your entire life without having one significant relationship with a person of color. You can go to a bank, get a loan, you can buy a home, you can live in a white neighborhood, you can go to a school with primarily white people and never, ever have to deal with black people. So we are always like an other to you. So your mother, again, I'm not letting her off the hook because I think that's some fucked up shit, but I'm saying that like- You don't have to apologize to me about that. Right, right, and I've met her, (laughs) you know I mean? She knows me, right? But I I wonder what it's like, and I've asked you this before, where you really don't have an idea of what other people are like other than you, whether you're growing up in South Africa and all you know is South African people and black people are supposed to be servants, or you're like Chris's mom, who perhaps I'm assuming has no actually actual contact with people of color. So they're like cartoon characters to her in a way, right? And then of course they're represented on TV in certain ways. And so this is what she thinks of them, which I find fascinating to walk in a world and not have any convert, not have any connection with anything other than then what looks like you? Yeah. <laughs> nice pat answer for that. Um, I I remember, let's go back to stuff about my family. Yeah. Um, this isn't about race, but it's about 
you know, like a marginalized group. I remember when uh, the show Queer Eye for the Straight Guy first came on TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously very taboo subject. You know, there's been a lot of progress in terms of LGBTQ people accepting that there are people that aren't like them. Right. But when that show first came on TV, I remember it was a big deal. And I remember David Letterman made a joke. It was like in his top 10 list. And it was something to the effect of suburban America feels much less threatened by gay people when they're only six inches tall on television. Uh, And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah." Because, you know, people like my mom, Mm -hmm. people like my aunt, you know, other people's parents were suddenly like enamored of that show. And I think that there is that sort of, it goes from othering mm-hmm. to like othering, but non-threatening and you're now entertainment for me. And I can slowly adapt to who you are. Oh yeah. That's you brilliant. I mean, you've yep. made the comment a few times that uh, we treat black people as entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why you get a lot of people that say, well, you know, they did it in uh, do the right thing. You know, I'm not racist. Michael Jordan's my favorite basketball player. Right. I'm not racist. I listen to Public Enemy. Yeah. That doesn't mean that not. It just means that you have this affiliation with I see black people. I enjoy black people. I'm OK with black people. Right. Until I meet. Them. Right. Oh, that's and mm-hmm. yeah. And if I can go back to something that you were talking about KJ I don't remember exactly what it was but it made me think the representation that we've got right now of um that's under fire is the Aunt Jemima label mm-hmm. you've seen that and they, I think it, this was in reference to the whole pick and anything but you know now people were clamoring to have the name changed and have her changed that actually happened a few years back. I don't know if you remember. Aunt Jemima now is like a black woman and you can see her, you know, you can see her hair. Right. Years ago, it was Aunt Jemima and she had like a head cloth on mm-hmm. looking like she was your traditional old timey representation of a slave. Right. And that's where you get Uncle Ben's as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they're going to do with it going forward. But these are these things that just kind of become part of our culture, mm-hmm. white culture, and they don't think twice about them. Yeah. I was shocked in all this discussion to find out that Mrs. Butterworth mm-hmm. is a black woman. Yeah, I don't. I kind of don't remember that either. I kind of remember I the I, commercials. I, I, did, I couldn't tell what Mrs. Butterworth was. I yeah. thought it was just some lady that had maple syrup inside her. Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 that also uh, that surprised me too because even I can even remember her voice because they would voice her in the com, uh, the commercials and she didn't she sounded like a white woman to me like so I, yeah. or at least that's how I remember it. But yeah, who was yeah. I mean, if she were a white woman at the time, she would have been racist. Let's be honest, because yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah. it's been around for a long time. Yeah. To come back to KJ here, um, does this type of stuff at all come up with your parents now? I mean, do they reflect on kind of what the world was like where they grew up and the way things are now? And are they reacting to the state of things at the moment? No, not really. Well, my, my father my father is in Toronto where this is um, less of a discussion topic at the moment. Mm-hmm. And my mom, well, I guess to answer your question directly, we don't we don't discuss it that okay. much. You know, my 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 parents know where I stand mm-hmm. um, very much. I've made it clear that racism is is an issue that I care about. 
and they've seen that in you know in my actions and in you know the art that I've been making over half a lifetime. So if if there's any racist tendencies, I have a feeling I, I seriously doubt there are. But if there but if there were, I don't think that they would bring them to light around me. Right. It wasn't necessarily that I was asking about racist tendencies. It was more like, are they looking at it going, oh shit, I'm so glad that we got you out of that. I'm so glad that we are not experiencing, I, I can only imagine how much worse something like this would have been had we stayed in South Africa. Well, maybe, I mean, you know, in South Africa, they, you know, I, I, I can't help but feeling they would have been sort of insulated from it like white people are mm. in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they are experiencing it now because it's on the news every day lately and because it's, um, because their kids care about it too. My sister is also, you know, um, you know, speaks out about, uh, on this particular topic and, mm-hmm. and we do so in our in discussions in our family and so I think that I think I, I, I they've never said specifically thank God we're not there for this reason mm-hmm. um, but they said thank God we're not there for many reasons and right. um, as I say I, you know this was one of the things that they've you know the, the treatment of, of black people in South Africa was particularly heinous mm-hmm. and, um, and, I, and I know that that was one of the reasons that they wanted to leave so much so I, I can only infer that they feel as though they did the right thing yeah i mean it sounds like they they do believe that from because you certainly do um from what you've said here and is there any tension between the two sides do, do, like your, i think you mentioned your mom's sister or your aunt do are they on speaking terms or there or is there anything like that or no, um, no, we 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 do we have no contact with that family. They're horrible people okay. for all sorts of reasons. Got the it. racism is just is just another factor okay. of, of why they're why they're bad people. Yeah. Um, so you know, um, what what would the relationship be like now? Um, you know, it makes, you know, sort of makes you wonder a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can say that much of my family um, fled. Uh, in South Africa when they had the chance, you know, starting with my mother and father's generation. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when I've spoken to them ever so briefly about it, it's, you know, it's been for many of the same reasons. Um, and, um, and no, I, I mean, you know, I, I, the, the last thing I heard about, you know, certain, those certain members of my family was that they still employed, um, black servants, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, you know, for, for pennies a day Mm -hmm. is what I understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, they're, they're just, they're not worth knowing. Got it. You may have mentioned this earlier, but were you here in the States when everything happened with Nelson Mandela, like being out of prison and like the whole, was I? Yes. Uh, yeah, I was here. Mm -hmm. Okay. And did you get, did, did your parents react at all to that? Do you have any memories of that? Uh, they were glad that it happened, as I recall. Um, they've, they've never been um, the type of people to... That, that culture, it's very buttoned up. Mm-hmm. So my, my, you know, I was, I was brought up in, um, to be sort of um, prim and proper to a certain extent and you know certain things didn't get discussed a lot money Mm -hmm. things like that and so um and also i think there was a lot of just not discussing these things 
in general not for not for any particular reason just because i don't know it was just it, it, it's never been a habit to discuss these things yeah as far as i remember well that um, makes sense that's I, how white people roll you know yeah i was just about yeah, to ask exactly yeah i mean you know like to, to put a sort of a, a stereotypical point on it maybe not white people in general but like why is it it's always seems like the the ruling party develops this sense of not being able to talk about sort of real things do you know what i mean like and, it, and i think it i think it's I think it's any ruling party, right? So right now we're talking about the, we're talking about white people in general, but if you think about like waspy white people from, you know, the Atlantic uh, area of, you know, the Connecticut white people, right? Or like the Bushes kind of thing or Kennedys, right? Or if you go to Britain and you talk about like the royal family, or if you go to South Africa, like what what is it about that? Is it that... There's some like there's a lot of dirty shit that if we started talking about it, like this whole sort of ruse of being supremacist supreme would just sort of fall apart. Like, well, or what is that? Well, I, I think that's I think that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it's funny you made a comment, um, uh, you know, I don't know, 10 minutes ago when you were talking Otto, about uh, the people who didn't, you know, m- maybe didn't realize that they were doing wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering this was in reference to the South you were saying, and I'm, I'm wondering if they actually do. If mm-hmm. all these people know that they're doing something terrible, but, but don't want to admit it, yeah. don't want to talk about it. And there's a there's this whole other thing, you know, not to get off on a rant about religion. Religion, but Go for it. I was talking. Do it. Do it. <laughs> well, You've met me. This, <laughs> I was discussing this with um, with one of my fellow musicians. We're, we're working on a project right now together, and we were talking about the effect of religion on. Well, he, he is he is African American, mm-hmm. um, and so he he was talking about the effect of religion on black culture mm-hmm. in the United States, and uh, and how. As far as he could see, it was just holding black people down. This mm-hmm. this white construct, yeah. this you know, this sort of um, ridiculous puritanical white heartland Bible Belt bullshit. You know, and he, his comment was that a, a great majority of the black people in America subscribe to this mm-hmm. thing, Christianity in one in one form or another. Africa in this case too. We're talking about it. Um, indeed, indeed, mm-hmm. and you know, and if despite the fact that the people who decided that Christianity was was supposed to be a thing in this country can't stand people of color right. and would mm-hmm. rather they just sit down and shut up and don't right. vote in the election. He said, I can't understand why, the, why so why are most black people in this country Christians? Mm-hmm. And my response was because if they stopped, they would have to admit that they were wrong about Christianity, that yep. their parents were, that their grandparents were, that their great-great-grandparents were. Mm-hmm. And that is, for human beings, an almost impossible task. Mm-hmm. How can you say that, you know, at 40-something years old that everything you've believed in is wrong and everything your parents believed in is wrong and, oops, let's just pick up? It's much easier to put your to hide your head under the covers and just yeah. go to church every Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember being a, a son of Ghanaian parents and my parents living back in Ghana now, you know, going to Ghana. I love going to Ghana. And uh, when I was young, um, speaking about religion a little bit, you know, I again, I was born in the same place 
as Chris was. So um, it's a very white area. I went to Catholic school with Chris for a couple of that's where we met in Catholic yeah. school. And this is where Sorry, I, Paul. Yeah. And this is when I was still sort of religious or believed in that stuff because I was a kid and I didn't know any better. And luckily, uh, my parents were weird about it. Like they weren't at like Ghanaians are very because we were we the last colony that got us or the last colonialist that got us were the English. So we're very, very English colonialist Christian kind of people. Um, and if you go to Ghana, it's it's almost more Christian than when you go to Kentucky. Do you know what I mean? I remember the first time I went back to Ghana as a like a young teenager and there's slave castles all dotted all over West Coast of Africa, of course. And now there are museums that you can go and, and tour. Right. I'll never forget the time when when this is like now I'm a young kid, I can sort of think for myself and I'm already having a lot of difficulties believing in religion because I'm meeting people from different religions and I'm going, well, which one is right? Like, how do we know? So anyway, so you go to this castle called Elmina Castle and they take you through the entire place. And so on top of the grounds is this beautiful castle um, that the admiral and the troops would live in. And it's got all these like it's got a church in it and all this stuff. And then you go into the basement and there's like a hole in the ground, maybe no bigger than my apartment. Both of you have, I think, have been to my apartment, right? So imagine a hole in the ground with like 300 people in there waiting to get Gosh. be putting on the bus and or put on the bus, the uh, the, the boat <laughs> to, to nowhere, right? And they there's... Buses, they would have used buses. Right, right, right. And there's a um, there's a trap door to get up and down for, you know, just basically they throw people down to this hole, right? But if the Admiral got horny he would open up the trap door and point to a woman that he wanted and she'd have to come up and he'd essentially rape her, right? This is like right near the church. So when you open the trap door and you're down in this literal dank pit of shit and you look up and like the light comes down, there's a fucking cross, right? And so I think part of like why, what, why Christianity took hold of, I guess my people, right? Is that that's where you're free, right? Like if we, if we can only be like that God, then perhaps we won't go through the shit we're going through. So let, let's just give up everything we have and follow this God who's being basically forced on us by the powers that be. Right. It's and, and it's to me, it's the and I don't know if we want to erase this part because I'm going to go real ham on it for a second. But like, <laughs> again, there's nothing like a God who says suffering is a virtue and then telling slaves that you, if you suffer, you get to go to heaven. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that to me is the, the, the best con I've ever heard in my life. It's like, yeah. dude, yeah. we can beat the shit out of you. And that's good because the man upstairs is looking down at you. It's going to give you a reward all the way at the end. Not now, not now. Don't no, not now. Give up everything you have. And then, and then you'll get the reward maybe at the end. That to me is like, the the best the the best fucking game I've ever heard. That's yeah. the whole shell game period. It happens yeah. with obviously it's the absolute extreme mm -hmm. with black people, mm -hmm. but it happens with poor white people yeah, too. True. Uh, how many times have you heard 
money's the root of all evil. True. Mm-hmm. No, it's mm-hmm. fucking not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I would love to have more. Yeah. I think we would all love to have more. Yeah. You could support your family if you've got mm-hmm. kids with more. Mm-hmm. But like saying like, no, 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 it's cool. It's cool. Like, the you know, the poor people. It's like, no, you're closer to God. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I, need, I need money. I need dinner. <laughs> you know, but that is... That's the brilliance, and I'm not saying in a good way, it's more like the deviousness of religion, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That you're telling people that, yeah, hold on, you're going to get it in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. But also, if you argue with people Mm -hmm. who are religious, Mm -hmm. they're like, what are you, arguing with God? Exactly. Are you arguing this? You're arguing with God. So that's the, it's their absolute, and it's going to have a different connotation now, but that's Mm -hmm. their trump card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. They play that that ace up their sleeve and... Boom. You yeah. cannot win an argument with that. Yeah. And and the way and now I'll just I'll finish this. Well, we don't have to finish this part of the conversation with this. But um, there's a, a good story because my middle brother is thinks the same way of religion as I do. And for good reason. You know, he lives in Ghana now with his incredible wife and uh, one pair of my niece and nephew. Um, you know, in Ghana, like I said, it's it's very, very Christian. I mean, it's, it's over the top. Sorry, mom and dad, but it is. And so when I think when my nephew was born um of course there's um all these little gifts you give to the kids right and my my sister-in-law tells me this story and it's so funny she was like so they they're getting all these little hymn books or these little like children's bibles right she got a pile of them for my my little uh, nephew kiki and then the next day they were gone and she wanted to find them so she could find who wrote them so she could send like thank you uh, letters back to the people and she, she goes to my brother where where are the hymn books where are the little children's bible he's go he, and he looks at her he goes i hid them and she's like what oh come on this is not you don't have to be like an atheist the whole time what's wrong with you and he goes okay and he goes back and 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 she's you know she's being thoughtful for the people you know what i mean but she's like and he's like okay let's go let's go look at those books right so he brings one of the books out and he goes you see these pictures right there's adam and eve there's there's cain and abel there's jesus there's Mary and Joseph. What's what's the same thing that you see about every single one of these? They're white. Yeah. You're going to show a little black kid that God is white. Jesus is white, Mary is white, Joseph was white. And of course, when you get to the bad guys, when you get to the like the Egyptians, they're like swarthy looking. When you get to like um, uh, who's a Goliath, he's a little like black looking. But every Adam and Eve are lily white and you're giving you're in Africa, you're in West freaking Africa and you're giving this to children. My brother was like, we're not doing this. And she was like. You're right. <laughs> those books, those books were gone, man. It's like, oh, it's crazy. It's everywhere. I I know this isn't my podcast, but sure. can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is for you, Otto. Yeah. Um, I'm because I'm I'm curious. Um, you know, we're going through a period that perhaps later on history will judge as enlightenment or maybe just a flash in the pan. Um, but regardless, you have to admit that the discussion of these topics has come to the fore mm-hmm. um, for however long it takes. And I'm curious from your perspective. Is this, does this feel like pop culture bullshit? Or do you think that there's a possibility of real change being made right now? Uh, It feels like both. The only thing that makes it feel a little different, even, even before this, is that young white people 
are going out in the streets and getting their asses kicked. And like that, that's something that I think is different. Not that, you know, Kent State didn't happen back in the 60s and all that. There was always I'm, I'm not trying to say white people were never on the side of good. Of course they were. But I think that the prevalence of social media, the prevalence of um, like like I think what you were describing as the sort of sheltered way you could have grown up in South Africa is not possible anymore. Like you, the, the way you and I'm thinking of this right now, the way you sort of um, continue the the reign of white supremacy is if you shelter the people that you want to pretend are the supreme people. Oh, and you shelter them away from the people of color. And I think that the world is getting too small just just in in the way that people are traveling and the people are the way they're connecting over the internet and all that stuff that you can't ignore it anymore. And I think that that's I think that that's the extra piece that can't that will, I think, eventually break the dam. I don't think it happens this generation, though. I think it's still a couple of generations away, honestly, because you know, it's going to sound fucked up. But like a lot of these people have to die. Like it, it, it's it's something that is so ingrained in all of us, all of us, not just white people, all of us, that it's only going to be the children of the children that are fighting now that I think we can have a that that it, it would be possible that this finally is unraveled but right i mean right now i noticed that it's it's actually in vogue for white people to be self-deprecated in a way that i've never seen in my lifetime where white people jokingly will say oh i can't stand white people i can't stand being white you know what i mean and it's not in that like oh i'm i see that you're a black person and i'm just gonna make this joke it's like oh you're actually being exposed to even the people that are good even like you know the white people that i vouch for at my black meetings right like you and K- like you and uh, Chris where it's like you have to face the things that you didn't ask for but were born into and just like me you know in ways that you're you're not even you are used to and I think that makes it not purely a pop culture thing but and how do, how do you take that when when you hear somebody like me or Chris being self-deprecating or you know white people in general being you know getting getting into the conversation and being more outspoken about it you know regardless of what they've done in the past is there anything about it that makes you want to roll your eyes yeah, uh, yeah, of course. But I mean, you know, I can't also model myself as a paragon of pure virtue. Do you know what I mean? Like there are things that I'm blind to my uh, I myself am blind of. You know, Chris has heard me say this a million times on this podcast of, you know, being a heterosexual man. You know, I that comes with a lot of blinders that I have to open up to. So I have to also understand that every single white person that I see aren't the people that have created the system. They might be the people that are that are upholding the system when whether they are willing participants or not. But the fact that more people are being open to the fact that there is a system in place, that's something that's different to me, where it's like, oh, you know, you you understand that it's almost like people of color 
or let's change the lens, like women have been telling us that there's some fucked up shit happening on the sort of gender level, right? That you guys don't see because you've been waving your dicks around so much, but like, just stop for a second and just think about why, you know, your, let's say your mother makes this woman, you know, does the same job as another guy, but gets paid half the money. Like, why do you think that is? Do you know what I mean? And it's something that you or I may have never even thought of or were even aware of, but now we can't help being aware of. So now we have to face the fact that, oh, there's a system that has unfairly advantaged me for no other reason, but a bunch of dudes just made it that way. So to me, my thing is all of these are fucking constructs. All of these uh, uh, religion, political systems, all this shit is a construct. The, the, the quicker that we understand that it's a construct and that we're literally making it up as we go along, we can make up better shit. And I think that's what's always happening. And it's always we're always on the side of, you know, like our side is always the right side because, you know, you and I made a we made a, a video about my Martin Luther King, for example, he KJ. Um, he's one half of the group called Odyssey and they made a song called Bang Bang. I directed this video and it was a song about uh, Martin Luther King and it was like a, it was a protest song. It was really cool. Yeah, I watched that and listened to it. Yeah, yeah. And and my Thank point you. in bringing that up is like Martin Luther King died in the 60s, right? And I know as a black person, I wouldn't want to live in the 60s. I'd rather live now. And there's no point in the past that I would ever want to live in just as a black person. So I know that there has been progress. The, the part that makes me roll my eyes is that like it feels like we have to fight the same stupid fight for fucking years until like the other side wakes up and goes oh wait there's racism oh gosh you know what I mean and, it, and that takes a long time so yeah so I don't think it's all pop culture I think some of it is but I'll take some of that too you know is there um, is there something that you would like to see um, some meaningful action or intent um, that would take the place of, let's say, just posting, you know, virtue signaling on Instagram? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's all happening. It's all already happening. Even the virtue signaling, I think, has I think it has a use, right? Because if you're on whoever it is, is on virtue signaling, hey, I've made my screen black because I heard that's what we're supposed to do for today. Like that means you have some awareness. And even if it's just a surface awareness, that is going to help move the needle other it's it's better than not having any awareness not knowing why let's say the screens are black today or or who who's Brianna what Taylor like if right. all of that helps and so I'm I don't find you, you know yes there are negative connotations towards virtue signaling and all that stuff but I don't find it all bad because to know that you have to virtue signal means that we've already won <laughs> do, do you know what I mean and so let's get deeper than virtue signaling but if that's where we got to start let's start there I'll take that yeah. over anything else. Well, That's me personally. I say, and yeah. I don't know if KJ was at this white person meeting. <laughs> but um, And by the way, can I just give you a shout out that you've got this bang bang thing over the corner of your shoulder there like nice little shout out to our guest there oh yeah 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 oh. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you're like oh that thing i didn't totally uh, oh yes that. jesus <laughs> uh, <laughs> i made a joke and lost the point no uh the virtue signaling thing. yeah to me i don't know about you kj it makes me fucking mental 
it's like I don't mind like the acknowledgement and I don't mind people like coming to terms, but it's like there's this scale, or the, the, the meter on the scale has swung so far to one side in terms of white people patting themselves on the back that they change their their avatar to like an all black thing mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. that they, you know, they're going to call you out because you used some word that they don't like that probably like if you heard it Otto you wouldn't you wouldn't even bat an eye you'd be like wait you're upset about what now mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying and I, it, it is a really good thing mm -hmm. in a way but uh, it's there's this I, I don't know I feel like there's this, this little segment of the, the quote unquote enlightened white population that just can't everything's an issue to them mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. they're getting offended on your behalf they're getting offended on my behalf they're getting offended on the behalf of the guy that owns the bodega down the street and I like that there's an awareness but at times it feels like it's gone past the tipping point yeah and and I think that that'll eventually have to go away just like any of these social media sort of movements like it's it, you know it's just things flare up and then they go away because people just sort of get bored with it but I think that never what we've what history should have have or we've should have already learned through history is that like the grassroots stuff never actually goes away and that for every sort of like social media movement hashtag thing there's real takes a long time there's real change that happens underneath that, that this the sort of virtue signaling I've I've figured out the right hashtag thing is just sort of like the the tip of the iceberg, I think. And I hear what you're saying, because, it, yeah, it's eye rolling. You know, that already tells me we've won the war. Now, have we won today? No, that's going to take a long time. But, you know, we, we're now finally shaming people for waving the fucking Confederate flag around. I mean, it's only taken, what, 240 years. But finally, Mississippi is taking the fucking Confederate flag off of their <laughs> off of their state flag. You, you know what I mean? skins are taking, you know, changing their name at some point, you know what I mean? So even that is virtue signaling, even that is like, oh, we don't want to look bad anymore. Um, so we're going to we're going to do this thing. But underneath all of that is the acknowledgement that, yeah, this is this is happening. Either get on the bus or you're going to get left behind and also be in the dustbin of history, which is which is where the fucking Confederate Confederacy should have been <laughs> before. Like I've I've said this again, I think on our last podcast and I've only just realized it in the in in this year but the confederacy was four fucking years like I yeah. I've always thought of it as like this generational thing you know that's what has been modeled but we in this country have been fucking building confederate statues for a four year fucking movement I went to college longer than the fucking confederacy was a I that to me is peak white supremacy right like right like we're we're, we're building statues to the losing uh war like like how how are we as white people how do you look at that and not shake your head do you know what i mean like chris who lost the super bowl last year because i don't know oh did we lose chris we might have lost chris chris is gone we lost Chris. Notice that he'd, he'd gone quiet. He was softly quiet. Yeah. He's going to call on our phone. You there? Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly I was, you're going on and I was talking and nobody was responding. I was like, God 
Jesus Christ. I guess, we're just, I guess we're just bringing in KJ to run things from now on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, nice. Chris has called in just for you guys unaware of what just happened. but I had um, to go to an undisclosed location because yeah. there was an angry white crowd outside <laughs> that didn't like I was talking shit about our people. So first of all, you asked um, a couple things. You brought up about the Washington Redskins. Yep. Um, and I'm going to say the name because that's who they are at the moment. Yep. Um, and they are making steps. They're taking steps to change that name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to happen sooner rather than later. But if you're not a sports fan, I will I'll, I'll clue you in on like the latest happening, mm-hmm. which is they came up with a list of names. And one of the names that they wanted to use, I believe, that the owner liked was the Washington Warriors. Okay. Which they're saying has con- they could make that like connotations of racism again you know tying back to like native american culture but there's one guy who for whatever fucking reason he's just some run-of-the-mill schmuck Mm -hmm. he just started 10 years ago just started buying up all the potential trademarks names for washington teams so he owns that Uh, and he owns like 30 others or something like that and so they're just basically going through their list and looking going well fuck we can't use that we can't use that we can't use that we can't use that (laughs) and so even if he says okay you know you can use them it still has to go through trademark yeah copyright court yeah and by the time that happens the season could already be in effect and they won't be able to use it so what (laughs) that's insane right yeah it's really interesting story it's awesome but one of the names that has come up and i guarantee that guy has not trademarked it and is has been one of the dark horses but could become the name of the team Mm -hmm. is the washington red tail red tails and oh like the you know who the red tails are Uh uh-huh yeah, the Tuskegee yeah. Airmen. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it it would be really cool. But yeah. Again, that may not, as so many things that happen in our society, it may happen not because it's the right thing to do. Right. It may happen just because, well, shit, I guess that's what we have to go with. Yeah. You know, like, I still believe, like, as great a president as he was, I don't think Obama won because people looked and went, we need a black guy in the White House. Yeah. They looked and they said, we're fucking sick of Bush. Mm-hmm. And we're fucking sick of anybody that's going to continue his policies. Mm-hmm. I'm voting for that guy. Right, right. You know, and yeah. then he turned out to be a really good president. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. wasn't some altruistic reason that, like, we're going to show the world and we're yeah, going to have the no, first no. black president of the United States. Yeah. And the second part, you asked me who lost the Super Bowl this past year. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, fuck you, because it was my team. Oh, jeez. So thanks very much. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks very much for pointing that out. <laughs> but but the yeah. interesting little side note to that is mm-hmm. that the team they lost to is the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and the Chiefs have a blatant like arrowhead on yeah. the side of their helmets and mm-hmm. everything. And in all of this talk, when you're hearing about the teams that, like, who should we change the name of? And it's mm-hmm. like the Indians, which has one of the most racist logos in all sports yeah, that you have crazy. seen. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Redskins, the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, they talk about the Chiefs, but way down the list. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, barely, it's not mentioned in any headlines, yeah. but they'll talk about it because they're Super Bowl champs. Yeah. Yep. So, anyway, we're going to virtue our, virtue signal our way out of this, I guess. So, <laughs> Out of this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. So. I had actually meant to bring that up. Yeah, so that's what's going on with the world of sports in terms of the naming and that's really interesting to me and I'm glad that that came up because I actually wanted to discuss that 
the other thing that I wanted to bring up, if you don't mind talking about it right now, and yeah. this goes a little off tangent, but again, that's what we do. Part of the movement of like, we're changing names, we're doing this, we're doing that, there, there's obviously been a lot of Confederate statues torn down mm-hmm. and they're getting rid of Confederate flags, which frankly needs to happen. You know, I've heard people say, if you want to have them, put them in a museum. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but to me, that's the place for things like that and explain what the problem is. Sure, with sure. But like, you choose to go see them if you want to see them. What I'm seeing yeah. now... No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I thought, that, I thought that was a question. Oh, well, <laughs> so let's answer, take it as a question. If you had something to add, take it as a question. I was going to agree with you. Um, they belong in a museum. I, I think that taking them away entirely will rob us of a tool to teach future generations about what we did wrong Mm -hmm. in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't, we have to make sure that they're not glorified and that, uh, that there is a proper explanation of why they existed and why they must no longer fly above, you know, any governmental office or building or as far as I'm concerned, any private home, but Mm -hmm. that's another. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, the segue from that is that now we're tearing down. I, I've seen other statues getting torn down as well. Recently, the ones that came up that made me think of this were people were starting to, I don't know if they actually succeeded, but tried tearing down statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that because I have some, I have some kind of strong ones of my own right. um, on that subject. Well, I mean, I, I think that what is happening with all of that is, I'll, I'll take it from the, you know, what all of us black people think, because I speak for all of us black people. That's Kitty. what we always need from you, Anna. Right. Tell us, and I'll tell you what the whites think. Growing up and learning about the history of this country, you're always told it from the standpoint of white people being awesome and everybody else not being awesome. And everything is a lie. Everything feels like a lie or a half truth, right? Where, again, I'm not sure where I stand on tearing down George Washington or Thomas Jefferson's, even knowing that they were notorious slave owners. But the fact that we celebrate them without their full story really rubs me the wrong way. And it really makes it hard for me to respect any of the history that I'm taught or any of the things that I'm supposed to respect. So I'll even I'll even go on record as to say, since I can remember getting up and saying the Pledge of Allegiance when I was a kid, you know, when, you know, when we're in like elementary or junior high school, or even speaking of sports games, you know, putting your standing up and putting your, your hand on your heart. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, during the national anthem, it's always something that has been sour for me, right? Where I'm just kind of doing it because I'm like, look, I'm 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 at Yankee Stadium. This place is full of white people. I, this is not the time to like, you know, have an opinion about the the national anthem. This is what they believe, and I think a lot of this is a lie. It doesn't mean that I don't respect this country or I haven't had opportunities here, but it just feels like a strange cult that has convinced itself of its greatness and not 
actually gone and looked at itself. So I don't even think I'm answering your question, but it, it's just sort of how I've felt for the longest time. Um, it's almost like when I when I'm when I go to church because I'm just going to accompany my parents or something like that. Sure. sure. Yeah, I'll stand up and sit down and kneel and open the book and all that stuff. But like, does everybody else believe this? This is crazy, right? You know. So I'm just sort of going along with it. I don't know how I feel about admitting that out loud, but um, <laughs> it's just a all of this is such a fucking construct. So if we're going to if we're going to celebrate George Washington or Thomas Jefferson for being the first president or for constructing the the Constitution and all that, let's hear the real story because we're adults. Like let's hear them as real true people, right? Hear the good with the bad. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I also personally don't believe with the exception of Ed Harris in deifying anything, any, <laughs> anybody, do you know what I mean? And so it feels like, like this childish fairy tale that we all play and that we're not willing to really look at ourselves. And so it's a fucking statue, tear it down or like, or, or put it in real context because this is all, a lot of this, this seems bullshit to me. And I'm just saying this extemporaneously. So it's not coming out mm-hmm. really, sure. you know, smooth, sorry about that but uh, that's, that's kind of how do. i feel about that yeah 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 I'm, I'm, my take on it is that you know you made a great point and I, I agree with that i think we need to teach the good with the bad which is something we don't do with the founding fathers in general but the one that i feel like most it, it made me crazy when i started hearing that they wanted to tear down statues of him mm-hmm. uh, which is thomas jefferson um i mean really most of what we've got in this country um, and yeah, there's a lot of bad that comes with it, but a lot of the good mm-hmm. was because that guy mm-hmm. like put it together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he wrote the constitution, he wrote mm-hmm. the declaration of independence or he had a big hand in the constitution. Anyway, he doubled the size of the country with the Louisiana purchase. He right. stocked the library of Congress. I just recently found out that he's the one that brought macaroni and cheese to America. <laughs> so, like, let's not let's not dogpile on that guy too hard. I but Ed Harris it, did that. <laughs> well, that was the yeah. time machine. There's a whole yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. we don't want to get into it. We don't have to <laughs> cause like some sort of paradox. Yeah, JJ. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair but um, actually, you know, what? if we just rewrote the history books and just said Ed Harris did all these things, I feel like the world would be a much better I'd place. I'd be fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can make them like the American Kim Jong Un <laughs> in terms of the history books, not in, ter- in terms of any atrocities yeah. or anything. Yes. Sorry, Mr. Harris. <laughs> um, it always has struck me as one of those things that going back to the, the virtue signaling, like how far is too far. And I think that you, you know, you brought up something that, that helped me clarify that a little bit in my head is certain things we can't deal with in absolutes. When it comes to racism, mm-hmm. you got to deal with it in absolutes. But when it comes to, I mean, somebody like that, there's an account, there's a list of accomplishments there that there is so much good. Yes. Talk about the bad too, but right. you can't just completely like, for example, Mark Twain, mm-hmm. brilliant author, mm-hmm. one of the best American authors we've had, mm-hmm. obviously what he, you know, the character of Jim in Huckleberry Finn is so problematic. Right. Does yeah. that mean, does, does that mean we just purge him from existence? 
Yeah, and not Jim, I, yeah, Mark Twain. Yeah, I don't think we should purge anybody from existence, you know? I, and I don't think that tearing a statue down purges somebody from existence, you know what I mean? It's the same thing where why don't you put that in a, in a museum? Because I also mm-hmm, say, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, there's amazing things that Thomas Jefferson has done, obviously, uh, you know. He also had a shit ton of slaves and also in uh, yeah. the documentation yeah. of, the Ameri- uh, of America, black people were only three-fifths of a slave. You know, there was mm-hmm. a lot of what he did, you can also say, supported white supremacy. Do you know what I mean? It was right. Like, yeah, and and yeah. So and, and he even was when he was trying to get the, the everybody on board as far as the colonies. Yeah. To say we're signing the Declaration of Independence, we're doing this, we're doing that. Mm-hmm. The southern states were like, "Fuck you," because he had language in there that they were getting rid of, rid of slavery. Yeah. And to his discredit, he completely capitulated because it was more important to have the country together yeah. than to than to just strike that from it. So me, I'd rather them, you know, I mean, my problem with the Confederacy um, is not just the slavery part. It's it's also the realization that it's a four year fucking it's four years 100%. old. One hundred percent. And they don't even use the right goddamn flag. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So go fuck yourselves with that shit. But then, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for fuck's sake, um, I wish in general general, I wish that history would be put in its proper context so that we understand who the people are who built this thing so that we can make something better. We can definitely improve on the, the Constitution. We have, do you know what I mean? And if we mm-hmm. understand it, if we stop treating it like it's this sacred document that, you know, is infallible, which we don't, obviously, then we can make changes that are better, right? If we can right. look at everything in that same way, we can make a better world, I think. I mean, I know I sound like I'm fucking Pollyanna, but it just, I think the deification of anything, which is one of the reasons I'm a religious as well is it doesn't make any sense you know what i mean we're all in this together we all got to live here we can make up better things than these old stupid staid institutions because we do it anyway you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and uh, you know washington washington's a statue yeah. And Washington is the nation's capital. Mm. Washington is a major economy in the Pacific Northwest. Mm. Washington is on every $1 bill printed in the last century. This is the perfect illustration of the, of the discussion that we have to have now in this country. Mm-hmm. Washington is us. Washington, there is there is greatness about Washington, or so the, the stories tell us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. um, fighting the Revolutionary War and, and uniting the country there is horror in washington Mm -hmm. in his white supremacy Mm -hmm. and his slave ownership uh, and very likely the way he treated anybody that wasn't a a tall white man but there's no getting away from the fact that washington like racism is a part of america Mm -hmm. what we have to talk about now is how do we fix it? How do mm. we move forward? How mm. do we how do we start walking away from our horrible past into a future that provides equality? And how do you know? Altair, you said before that you know generations from now, you know we'll we'll see actual change. I think that we can all agree that it that it begins here. It begins yeah. now. It mm-hmm. begins every time mm-hmm. this every time this discussion comes to the forefront. Every time an African American is slain by a white cop, we have the opportunity to discuss this 
tear down all the statues you want, but you will not change the fact that he was the first president. You will not change the name of the of the capital of this mm-hmm. country. We have to move forward. Mm-hmm. We have to find a way to have this discussion. Admit that he did horrible things, like a lot of men. But how are we going to cheat, teach our children to be better? Yeah. How are we right. gonna How are we gonna set an example and say be like Washington in that he couldn't tell a lie? Fine, mm. but don't be like Washington in that you should never ever stand up for the idea that a black man is three equals three fifths of a man right, in the eyes right. of the the Bill of Rights. That we cannot stand for this anymore. This is our legacy. The Confederacy is our legacy, and we must own it so that we can get away from it. And I think what you're saying, and and I think that's one place we can start, and I think that goes back to the statues and anything. I'd even say Martin Luther King, my parents, right? If we stop deifying these things, if we stop making them these fantastical gods and like look at the actual person and people who have done this, we know that they are ordinary people. Some of them are really brilliant at this. Some of people are really brilliant at that. But like what we get into the trouble when we start to deify, that's what the fucking Confederacy is. They have turned it into a thing. They know they know better than to say, well, we wanted our slaves. That's why we are Confederates, because we hate black people and we want you guys as slaves. And we're, we miss that. They know better than to say that even if some of those uh, even if some of them might actually think that so they right. have to say that oh this is about states our rights. heritage this is about states rights this is about you know the genteel south that they've painted because again just like we've been talking about this whole like hour and a half to uphold white supremacy in this case you have to pretend you have to make up this fantasy world that it was that it actually wasn't and I think that once we start doing We do that with everything. That's what our religions are. We've deified these prophets and whoever, and we've made them these these perfect beings that we then can't question, right? Martin Luther King cheated on his wife a bunch. A bunch. Mm -hmm. And we have to accept that. Totally not. Yeah. Right? John F. Kennedy cheated on his wife a bunch. They've done incredible things. You can't take away what Martin Luther King did, but you also have to take the entire person because then, once you see that these are people, then you and I and everybody else who says, well, I'm just a regular person. I can't be like Martin Luther King. Gandhi was a fucking racist. Once you start to understand that these are normal people like you and me, then we can elicit change. Then we can bring ourselves up with with orchestrating change. We don't have to be great. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's yeah, the thing. I, know, I love I love what you're saying here. Yeah. Joe. I want to I want to pile on it, it, Who the hell can live up to what we think of Martin Luther King today? Nobody. If yeah. that's the bar right. you have to meet, which of us is going to which of us is going to have the courage to, you yeah. know, to, to bring about change like he did? We have to to promote a culture where regular people like the people on this on this conversation today. Yeah can affect real change yeah. and we can and we you know yeah. yeah i think part of that as, as i'm listening to all of this is that just human nature we simplify things in our heads to make sense of them, sure right like mm-hmm. when you think of when you think of world war ii you think of us going over and liberating europe and stopping the nazis and mm-hmm. stopping fascism from taking over europe if you go back and read there are a lot of scandals around fdr and his yeah. administration like did they know about pearl harbor before it happened kind of like with 9-11 yeah. did they know what didn't they know yeah but, but we we don't talk about that mm-hmm. because it's too much to the story for most 
most people to take in. Right. You have to go beyond that. And w- the last thing that you just said there, KJ, I, I, you know, my pop culture brain immediately goes to like the end of the dark night where they talk about Batman. Uh-huh. Where he takes the whole thing on where he says, I'm going to take the rap for this because people need a hero like Harvey Dent. They need the white knight. Yep. They need right. somebody that's not flawed because that's what gives people hope and yeah. brings, you know, brings that sort of direction. The flip side of it is that we, to use the term, we whitewash a lot of things. We just smooth over what we don't want to know. Right. And in some cases, I don't have a problem with it. You know, like, did FDR know about that? Did FDR not know about that? Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme, this doesn't, to me, this doesn't change the story. But when it's somebody having slaves or it's somebody like Mark Twain, to go back to that, or mm-hmm. you just go down the list of people that were flawed human beings, that it really does alter it a little bit when you know that. Mm-hmm. You know, when you know that Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't this savior up on a pedestal. Right. He was a flawed human being. Mm-hmm. He fucked around on his wife, mm-hmm. as you said, a lot. I, I don't know that those are things that we need to have conversations about and people need to be more aware of, but mm-hmm. I also get the human tendency to want to simplify things. Again, easier story to tell that we went over and saved Europe than to tell every little story of every little person that did this, that, yeah. whatever, and that mm-hmm. we weren't as justified as we would have you believe right. in the history books. But, On that yeah. note, one of the things that keeps coming up in terms of our education system is people, we've talked about how people don't know about these things about slavery, they don't know these things about the Confederacy, people, kids in school aren't being in places that are not even being taught about slavery. It's just like a little mention of it before they move on. One of the reasons is because a lot of the textbook companies control the information that goes into them come out of Texas. Exactly. And they, yep, and they have this whole board of people that sit down and they decide what they want and what they don't want. And Mm -hmm. frankly, it's not very nonpartisan. It is very conservative Republican. And and they and white mm-hmm. exactly and they get to choose what goes in and what doesn't go in and, and that, that's that shapes the narrative yeah and it and to all of our points it's one of the reasons why white people at this point are only sort of en masse waking up to sort of the totalities of racism yeah. because you weren't taught that right nor it's something nor right? have you ex- experienced right. it right so like if you have grown up in with your history books talking about George Washington for example, as this perfect paragon of virtue and he never tells a lie and he chopped down some fucking cherry tree and then he saved us from the British and you don't know the other side and it's only white people that you hear these perfect stories of, then it must be confusing for you guys when you learn like these people are way less than perfect and they've done horrible, terrible things. It's it's why I think the, let's say if we're going back to Nazi Germany, like a, a ton of the Germans who were part of the Nazi party, quote, had no idea what happened to all the Jews back in, you know, in the Holocaust days, right? It's because it's it's a way to blind a bunch of people to the actual truth. You can't even face what's the truth. So I understand right. to, you know, um, you know, make a pretty palpable story of history, but that's what sort of perpetuates the entire problem that we're having, right? I think it, for me, I think it's nice to know that Martin Luther King is a full human being. 
and that my parents are and that you guys are and that Barack Obama is, you know what I mean? He smokes. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Or he smoked pot when he was young. Holy shit. Really? That's the thing. Remember when things like that disqualified people from office? Yeah. Yeah. He wore a tan (laughs) suit. Yeah. Remember those days? Yeah. Christ. Back when you get back when you couldn't grab somebody by the pussy. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the days. Yeah. So, but I, I just think that there are some people that are incapable of wanting to know more. Yeah. In ter- like you were saying, like a well-rounded view of whoever their hero is. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that there's just some people that don't want that yeah. or need that um, in their lives. Yeah. They need it, but not in their minds. They don't need it. And, yeah. I, and it, I think a lot of this is we're up against human nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, all this stuff that's coming out now, you know, you're saying white America's waking up. I, I'm going to speak for white people, KJ jump in if you heard something different in the meeting <laughs> but um i mean there's things that are coming out now that i feel like i'm pretty tuned to realizing that there's all these racial disparities and injustice there's stuff coming out now that i'm learning mm-hmm. that i had no idea about yeah. i mean just talking with Otto on a regular basis he'll say things and i'll go really you know mm-hmm. it's just you've got to have that intellectual curiosity if we're going to move you do and each of us has to take responsive personal responsibility to keep the conversation alive you know when this thing dies down you know in 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 social media which is it's already begun to do somebody uh, yeah. you know either we go back to the way it was or we keep the conversation going mm-hmm. and hopefully affect real change. Um, that, that's something that concerns me for sure, yeah. The, the, the short attention me too. span. Mm-hmm. Me too. But here's the good part. The democratization of communication that social media has brought about means that each of us has the power to extend this conversation. Yeah. And each right. of us is culpable personally culpable if we let it die. Mm-hmm. We have to keep this going now. It's <laughs> the, the match is lit, but it'll go out unless yes. you use it to light another match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got to keep lighting the matches. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that we've been talking for a long time here and we probably need to wrap it up oh, in yeah. the yep. near future here. Mm-hmm. But one thing I want to bring up or let Otto bring up that he mentioned to me before we got on this. And Otto, would you like to take the floor and maybe just for a few moments talk about Karen's? Oh, the Karen. You know, so the Karen's, um, I mean, unless you're under, uh, you've been living under a rock for the last month, like it's that, it's the new thing about um, particularly white women, but white people in general who take it upon themselves to call the cops on black people for dumb stuff. The the people who have this self-possession and this self-conceit that everything you know, revolves around them. And so they're always calling the manager when something's wrong, you know, those kind of people, right? And there's these Karen memes that have been going around and they're pretty famous Karens. One of my favorite ones is that Lisa Alexander woman who- Famous Karen. <laughs> love that that's even a thing yeah i love Famous it too Karen. yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, and lisa alexander um if you guys remember there's this um this is a few weeks back during the heart of the protests the black lives matter protests where uh this guy was drawing in chalk uh stenciling chalk black lives matter on his uh sidewalk and this couple walks by and the woman is like do you live here and he starts to record and she starts to in the most condescending way say that you you know, that's fine. You can protest any 
way you want, but not here. This is against the law. You shouldn't do this, whatever. And the guys, you can see, you can hear the guy salivating. He's like, oh, okay, so I don't live here. And she's like, no, 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 I know who lives here. I know who lives here. And he's like, okay, fine. She goes, I'm going to call the cops. And he goes, okay, fine. And then it turned out that the guy lives there, right? And it's this like rich uh, neighborhood. Anyway, I guess I wanted to bring up the Karens because one of the things that you, as a, as a large black man like me, grow up learning and a dark black man is that being black is scary, right? Like we are scary. The woman gets on the elevator with you and she clutches her purse next to you or, you know, people crossing the streets. That's happened to me before. And I've always thought the fear that white people have been taught to have of us is a fear of bodily harm. And I guess that's there too. But it's really a different fear. And the Karens have taught me this because all of these people, all of these women especially have no problem walking up to a black person and literally there's one chasing them out of a neighborhood coming up to their car getting in their faces they're not afraid of the black person even when they're being taped right so it's not a fear of bodily harm it's a more fear that you have with revulsion right i'm afraid of roaches like i can't stand roaches but it's not a fear that i think the roach is gonna like murder me in my sleep it's a little insect it's disgusting That's what it is. And so you see it over and over again in all of these people, even the ones that are crazy. There's a lot of meth heads that that make it into this. But it's such a prevalent thing that it's it's something that I never put together until now, just like I never put together that the, the Confederacy was only four years. Right. It's like this what racism has taught all of us is that we're, we're more of like a nuisance, right? We're more like a pest that you don't want in your neighborhood, that you don't want around, that you don't ever want to deal with. And that's the mm-hmm. thing that I've been learning from the Karens. And it's real dark. I, I, I hate to say it that way because it's like, it's just, it fills me with more of the contempt that I talked about in um, my last, ep- in our last episode, Chris. But I, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that I've realized. And again, racism, and white supremacy teaches me or has taught me that I'm scary. I've, I've got to speak complete. I've got to speak, quote unquote, well, I've got to be perfect. I've got to dress perfectly so that I don't look like a thug. I don't look like a gangster. I don't look like this because I don't want to scare the white people. Right. But it's not fear that you think you're going to get mugged by me. It's more like you don't want me to touch you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You don't want me in your yeah. neighborhood. And that's something I don't know if this is resonating with you, but that's something that resonates with me and where I'm like, oh, shit it's not a physical bodily harm fear it's more a revulsion and that's taught that is like taught deep inside all of us and it's fucked up man fuck you karen it's it's bone chilling and you know i'm I agree with you. You kind of blew my mind a little bit. It makes the issue so much more insidious yeah. than yeah. it was even just a few minutes ago. The fact that there's a visceral aversion yeah. that you can develop against another race of people. Yeah. And that you can, I, yeah. you're, you're, they're always saying, this is my, do you belong here? There's so many, there's so many, like, what is up with you guys in pools, right? There's so many white people who are trying to kick black people out of pools that they also belong to. It like drives me crazy. It's like, what the fuck is that? But anyway, um, that's, that's Chris, the. Tell them about the pools, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, what happened? Dude, it, yeah. I, I, that's like level two stuff. I don't know that we're allowed to divulge stuff about the pools. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, dude, you shouldn't yeah. have even mentioned it. As a matter of fact, Sorry. I'm gonna have to call. I'm gonna have to make some calls. Oh shit! All right, <laughs> you're on probation, Tyrone. Um, they won't tell me about the pools. All right, man. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that woman that you were talking about was at least Alexander. Was that yeah. her name? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I love that she's taken on a whole life online, and like that people are calling her like her like boss level Karen. Yeah, yeah, and like she's in some video game but yeah i mean it's just you know you're talking about that revulsion that physical Mm -hmm. revulsion to something Mm -hmm. um we talked about this a little bit i believe last time it it's just this sense of fucking entitlement that goes beyond entitlement Mm -hmm. to the point where it's how do i how did i explain it last time it's like they know what their limitations are Mm -hmm. and they know that you are beneath them Mm -hmm. in their mind Mm -hmm. and when you step up and now you're not beneath them anymore how dare you threaten my place in this world yeah because they know they're not going up the food chain anymore Mm -hmm. i actually made a note to myself here thank you fellow white person um (laughs) (laughs) i think you're you're a white person I think you're white. Um, so anyway, I was seeing something, there's been a lot of this online and people were talking about like, there's so much anti-white sentiment and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I can't hate that. I hate that you lump all of us white people together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, I'm reading it going, you get the fucking point now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't like being grouped together with somebody like Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. But you know what? If somebody that's angry, that that's African-American is going to look and just, be like, I'm fucking pissed at how white people have been doing all this, and I'm in that group. What am I going to complain about, dude? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I can do my best to show you that I'm not yeah. and through my actions, but you know what? People look at you in the same way that they look at fucking, I don't know, yeah. some O.J. Simpson. Yeah. God forbid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it, that's the nature of being uh, like stereotypical. I don't, yeah. don't want to say racist because as we talked about, it's not the same thing both right. ways. Right. Yes. It's and I don't know that I made this point last time, but I want to make it this time. It's kind of like, I've tried to explain it to people, and I don't mean to diminish anybody of color when I say this, mm-hmm. but if, if, you, if you are constantly like treating a little kid like shit, and you're mm-hmm. a parent mm-hmm. or your teacher, mm-hmm. and you're constantly talking some, down to somebody that doesn't have any sort of power, mm-hmm. and you have power over them, and then they, they turn around and call you something, and then you're like, oh, I can't believe they just did that to yeah. me. It's not the same thing. Yeah. I mean, and I'm putting it in the most simplistic terms, sure, and I'm sure, not sure. trying to make like people of color sound like kids. No, no, of course. But, like, yeah, yeah. It's like it, it's not if you're if you're an adult and you get upset because a little kid called you a jerk mm-hmm. or you know they swear and call you an asshole. Yep. For you're the asshole. asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Like how how it's how, a power dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. how how weak are you? How thin yeah. is your skin? Yeah. That that's happening to you. Yeah. Fuck you. You got to yeah. look at what you've been doing and why that person might have reacted to you that way. And, and you're also mad because you under you know the truth and you know that you're you're shit. And, and I think that's what like you you guys have also alluded to and we've alluded to in the, in the, the entire time. It's like this is all a construct. And we, we talked about this last episode where like you have to hold in your head. It's like the, the master race of the Ubermensch uh, Hitler Nazis. Right. And you and they're supposed to be these blonde hair, blue eyed, perfectly formed human beings proportioned and they're beautiful. And then you look at Hitler and Himmler and they're 
pieces None of, of them shit, look like that. ugly yeah. dudes. But you have to pretend that this is who you are. And so when somebody points that out to you, it makes you mad because you're like, yeah. no. <laughs> and you're like, no, the emperor has no clothes. No, 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 I'm wearing clothes, but you're not. Do you know what I mean? And so I right, think that's, right. that's what we're trying to tear down here. Like, that's why all these statues are trying to, you know, we're trying to tear these statues down because we're trying to let the scales fall from your eyes and go like, this is like, we're all on the same we're all the same here, guys. Like, yeah. you're not special. Yeah. Let's cut the bullshit out for a, l- a little bit because it'll help all of us in the long run. So, fuck yeah, you, Karen. Absolutely. Fuck you, Karen. Absolutely. <laughs> fuck you. Um, yeah. And, I mean, we've covered a lot yeah, of shit today. And, of course, we've solved all of the world's problems. Yes, I feel yes, very, very yes. good about that. Yes. You're welcome. But, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> KJ was the, was the uh, driving force behind all of it. Yes, but seriously, I want <laughs> KJ. Thank you so much for being yeah, uh, being with us today. Uh, it's it's really been cool. And thank you, thank you for having me, and and thank you both for having the courage to keep the conversation going. I, I hope you I hope you do episodes of this podcast from now until the end of time. Yes, yeah, too. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Give a shout out to KJ. We'll give, we'll give you a little plug too. What's the what's, what's your band? The, the Odyssey. Oh, sorry. The Odyssey. That's all right. The Odyssey. Yeah. I wanted to say The Odyssey, but I didn't sure. I wasn't sure I had it right because <laughs> now that my video is off, I couldn't look at the uh, conveniently placed thing hanging behind Otto's head. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So, but yeah, so it really, it's been great having you, KJ. It's so nice to have you as part of the conversation. And uh, it, it's been pretty enlightening to hear a different perspective and I guess I will see you at the next uh, at the next meeting <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> absolutely well th- thank you guys again and um, yeah keep uh, yeah keep it keep it alive keep it going cool thanks a lot. all right well yeah thanks again everybody for listening and uh, remember nobody's listening to me saying this but don't be dicks to each other yeah and long live Ed Harris Long live Ed Harris. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, KJ. You just got an invite back for saying that. (laughs) All right, everybody. All right. Peace. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye. Thank you, guys. Peace.